Hey, hey, Social Nation. That was the late, great Whitney Houston, The Voice, with I Want to Dance with Somebody. And if you don't know right now, this is Saucy Conversations. This is episode 25. And first and foremost, we want to give praises to the Most High, Yahweh, and His only forgotten son, Yahweh, child, who are called Jesus Christ. Um, I want to thank all the fans for supporting the podcast. Um, thank you for buying on the merch. Um, I want to send a special shout out to our sponsors, which is Click A Vodka. Shout out to Patrick and the whole crew. Shout out to Holistic Remedies. And don't forget to go on their website and use our promo code HR Meet Saucy, and you'll get ten percent off. Ten percent off at checkout. Uh, shout out to my co-host Columbia Teddy. Shout out to Mac. Shout out to Dad. Shout out to Bernice. Shout out to just everyone who's been supporting. Um, today I have a special, special guest on the show. Her career spans out twenty years. She's a professional speaker. She's a best-selling author. She's a media writer. She's an activist, a world-winning motivator. She does everything. Ladies and gentlemen, Saucy Nation, I'd like to welcome the beautiful Dr. Pamela Gurley. How you doing today? Hey, I'm good. That music had me hyped. <laughs> you love you so much. I do. I do. That's good. Good. Uh, first and foremost, how you doing during this whole pandemic? How's your mental health and everything for you? Oh, you know, I think just like everyone else, it was you had your highs, you had your lows trying to adapt to working from home. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, overall, it was good to me, despite, you know, having to make some pivots in life. But overall, I have to say it was it was enlightening. Right, right. Difficult times, difficult times. So, um, doctor, um, Miss <laughs> Gurley, <laughs> um, please, um, tell our audience on how, um, your childhood, um, like where did you grow up and how was your, uh, your household? How was it in your household? Oh my gosh. So I'm a military brat proudly. Okay. <laughs> so I I had to pleasure I had the pleasure of growing up my first 5 years in Hawaii, which is something great. And oddly, I do remember, you know, even you know, the, even though I'm a little bit more in age <laughs> these right, days, right. Uh, I still do very much remember the some moments that I had growing up in uh, Hawaii. And then, of course, my dad got stationed in Georgia, and he bounced around to and from overseas. So I had the pleasure of growing up between Washington, D.C., which is where my family is from. My mom, my dad, my, my grandmother's there. You know, she's got rest her soul now. But my, all of my cousins, all of them are in Washington, D.C. So that's where I spent every summer. Okay. And I've spent school in Georgia. So I got a little bit of southern and northern, you know, flavor growing up. and. Right. I think that a lot of that has made me who I am today. Just being able to be multicultural between the two places because they are different. <laughs> right, right. So, um, tell us um, how it was. This um, or was it very difficult for you just moving around to to different cities, being in, in a military family? So, great. You know, 
for the most part, I did not have to move around a whole lot oh, okay. because my mom wanted us to have some level of stability because my dad was mostly to and from Korea and we didn't go. Oh, so okay. that's why we went, you know, to Washington DC during the summer to give my mother a break. And then during the school, during the school year, unless it was like spring break or something like that, we was in Washington DC or we were in Georgia during the school time. Okay. So I had the, you know, the, Growing up was really great. We traveled a lot also. So that took my love of tracking, you know, of, of traveling. Uh -huh. And that never really left me. My mother exposed us to a lot. She allowed us to be, I mean, I have two sisters to be free spirits and just kind of be our, become our own people. Right, right. So um, how, how was it um, in school? Did you, did you have a favorite um, uh, uh, subject or class that you that you love to uh be in i think i was a bit of a science nerd <laughs> oddly <laughs> yes because i you know during high school especially i was president of science club and i just always had a thing for science despite me not doing anything in science um and well other than psychology which is kind of scientific but being in management which is what i have my doctorate in is a little bit off the beaten path for what i thought i would have been doing I've always had a knack for writing and I was a poet growing up okay. and just, I've always loved writing regardless of what it, what it was. It, it was more than just poetry. It was just writing in general, almost like, you know, I had kept a diary like most young girls, right. but I've always loved writing and my mother, uh, you know, poured into that. So even very young, I had poetry that was published and you don't pay attention to as much or, you know, as far as, oh, making sure you get the books and all of that stuff that your intellectual property is in, because I didn't really pay as much attention to it because I was young, but I've always been a writer and my mom was super into just allowing us to be ourselves so i loved art i was my mom's experimental child which means i loved everything i was a swimmer i did gymnastics i loved okay. art i taught myself how to crochet and knit and i would you know just paint i taught myself how to paint because i would paint my room all of these different colors so at least once a year my my bedroom was changing a whole different color but she allowed that yeah so right. super crazy right right <laughs> So, um, uh, what, what, what did you, um, was, was you really like into like, uh, books, like what kind of books you was really into? Or Back into now? Then, it, well, it's now I am more, I, I really love, uh, nonfiction books. I do love fiction books too, because sometimes you just need that getaway, uh -huh. but I really do take to a lot of you know, fiction books or nonfiction books, because I just like to see the perspective of different people and how they grew up, what inspired them, what encouraged them, because I draw inspiration from that. I also, especially during Black History Month, I try to read as many authors as possible that are Black, but that's only because that's a high time where you can find a lot of different books that you would not normally see out so I love, you know, just anything, but I also do like um, fiction books. It just, my mood doesn't go there unless I just want to get away, as I say. Gotcha. Do you have a favorite author? My sister. Oh, okay. 
right. Keep it the family. Keep it the family. Libby, Libby Zoe. I, I have a actually I have a ton. I love Eric Jerome Dickey, God rest his soul. I love his books. I, I was a Zane lover. I Zane. I love Michelle Obama's. Yes, I love Michelle Obama's books. I loved, you know, I love Condoleezza Rice's book. There's so many books that I absolutely love that I don't just have a favorite, but my sister who is a, a phenomenal writer and always has been, I absolutely get I hers hers are fiction, so I totally get lost in those books. Gotcha. So shout out to my sister Libby Zoe. Shout out to her. Let, me, let, me drop, let me drop a bomb for your sister. Drop a bomb for your sister. <laughs> uh, so um growing up, um who's your your favorite artist or a favorite type of music growing up or today as well? You know, I am so Oh, I don't have a favorite. Okay. I'm a fan. I'm, I always say I'm a fan of no one. I just love great music. And okay. so I listen to everything. And when I say everything, everything except for techno, I have not been able to get into techno music or by the house music or whatever you want to call it. Uh -huh. But I definitely love R&B. I love alternative rock. I love hip hop. I love some country songs. I there's there's not one a one genre of music that i love and i grew up that way so i think that's one of the things that i love about myself is that i don't care what room what where i go at and what room i walk into if you're playing it i can probably sing it <laughs> <laughs> gotcha gotcha on that one um so um after high school um let's, let's talk about uh the transition from high school to um college um mm -hmm. what, what was your mind your mind state of well, did you know what you was going to do already or it was just um, a little bit of a hard time uh, picking up the, the right path, the path that you wanted to choose? Ooh. Yes and no. When I first went off to college, I thought I would be a nurse and I pursued nursing. And then I felt like I needed a little bit of break because I was not focused. And so I joined the military and I got to do that very thing. I was a medical specialist. And so I got to work in pediatrics doing immunizations and in and out casts and drawing blood and all of those things. And it wasn't that I did not love it. I just didn't feel like that was what I was supposed to do. But I did love special cases that would come in. So that drew me to psychology. So when I got out of the military, I quickly enrolled in college and was and pursued psychology in which that's what I did and loved it. I loved it so much that I took seven classes a semester a couple of times just so that I can graduate quickly. And I graduated with my four year in a year and a half. I was very ambitious. So you, you follow the, the same steps. You said your father wasn't in the military. So how was the military experience for you? It was really cool. You know, I the only thing that I didn't like about it was the allergies and all of the things that happened to me medically that led me to have a medical retirement earlier than I had planned. Oh. I really did. I really did think that I was going to be a career soldier because that's what my dad was my dad was in the military for 23 years and I that's what I wanted to do and so basic training wasn't hard for me because my dad was a drill sergeant right ah, go figure so I was always prepared plus I was always such a very neat person extremely like OCD neat 
I've never had an issue with making my bed or, or any of those things when I was going through basic training. I've made great relationships while I was in, still have a lot of those great relationships to this day. It teaches you a different level of discipline. So for me, I, I know how to be on time. And when you're on time, technically you're late because you get used <laughs> to that in your mind. Right, right. Yeah. So I, I really did enjoy, you know, the relationships. I enjoyed every, my, I enjoyed my job when I was in. I never went into the field because I worked in the hospital, really didn't wear a uniform except for on Thursdays. But so for me, it didn't feel as much like the army uh-huh. uh, as say people who, was going to the field and have other, you know, jobs in the military. Right. So, so what was the the most important takeaway of being in the army that still stick with you till today? Whatever you want, you can have. I, mm. I think if you work hard enough for it, is there for you? You know, I think when you're in the military, there's there's not really a no for you when you want to exceed, you know, and you, you become capable to do things that you don't even realize your body can do. You know, when you're going and you're running and you're, you're being challenged mentally and you're being challenged physically, it teaches you about a little bit about yourself. Mm, let me, let me so I would say that sticks, that has stuck with me. Right. Let me, let me give you a round of applause for that one. So uh, coming coming out of um, college, um, what was your, your your first first job? Did you get a job right away, or did you have to like intern, or how how was the, the that process for you? So I had jobs throughout college, on and off, because I was my main focus was school. When I got out, you know, I went straight. I mean, I went from getting my bachelor's to going straight and getting my master's. And then I started, I had my own government contract. So I really can't say that there was a a massive transition for me. It was one of those things like I had, I was a front desk clerk at a hotel while I was in school. And, you know, I'm trying to think of what else did I do before that? I don't think I did anything. And other than really the school, going to school was my central focus. After I graduated, of course, I had an opportunity to get my own government contract. And so that's what I did. And I literally did that and then transitioned into becoming a federal employee right after I finished my master's. And there was never a time where I didn't what I wanted was not there. When I got my government contract, it was for three years. And I said to myself there, I'm only going to fulfill this three years and then I'm going to go federal and like clockwork a few months shy of my three years, I got, I went government, I went federal, became a federal employee. And that stood, uh, for the most part, I just resigned last year after 14 years. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. wow. And I grew, i started off as a GS nine and I've resigned as a GS 15. Wow. Wow. Thank and you. anyone, yeah, any, yeah. Anyone who knows the GS scale knows <laughs> it starts at a one. So I, I was pretty ambitious and you know just kind of did did what i loved i absolutely loved it and when i was convicted to do something different which is work for myself right. i made that leap wow that's a big big that's a big leap right there so, so it, how, <laughs> go ahead no it's not it's not that much of a I, at, at one time i used to think it was a big leap mm. that to me 
I'm going to tell you why, which would change the way that I think when you are betting on yourself is not considered a leap. It is a leap of faith, like betting on yourself. It's just something that people should be doing no matter what profession they are in. Right. So, you know, even if I stay federal, I knew that I betted on myself. That's why, that's why I was able to go from one grade to the next and, and the next grade and the next grade, because I never, I never shorted myself mentally that I could not achieve things or I could not have things. So, um, work, working for, um, the federal government, how, um, was there any, uh, how you would say it, was it any, um, sexism or anything that you experienced during the, the, the 14 years that you was actually in the, working for the federal government or? Early on in my career there, you know, there was you know, a little bit of that, but, you know, after that, you know, that whole situation for the most part in which I wish I would have been more vocal mm -hmm. and I wasn't at the time because I literally was just starting the federal government and I was working for law enforcement and I just, you know, you, I was young, I wasn't that young, but I was very new and I was still very green because I was still, you know, just finishing up, um, I had not long finished graduating with my master's at the time. I mean, I had a whole lot of other things going on. I was teaching college as well, but I wish I would have spoken up about, you know, the things that was I was seeing and the things that was being said, but hindsight 2020, it's, it, you know, it didn't break me and, but it did make me vocal as I went further in my career. And then I also used my experience to make sure that I can protect other young ladies. Right. So, um, what, mm -hmm. what exactly, um, what actually, uh, came over you to say, I have to speak up for, um, for women or that are working in these, um, federal jobs or just in the workplace. Because some of these men protect each other mm. and we, we have a responsibility to make sure that we are able to protect ourselves as well. So we have to sometimes be a voice for the voiceless and at least let them know this is not okay. Right, right. So um, they sweep a lot under the rug and I'm not, you know, <laughs> and, and that's from my experience. They do, you know, yeah. they protect the, the higher ups and they protect, especially law enforcement. They protect themselves. And I don't just mean from, you know, the standpoint of the whole, you know, discrimination type racial stuff i'm just saying the climate and the culture it's just it's very sexist right and so the men do protect one another right right um so what what made you um want to be uh activist did you have like um people in, um, in your family that were activists no not really and i think it's been more or less in the last year so th the problem is is when you carry a certain positions you're not allowed to be as vocal when you work for certain agencies you it's hard to be vocal without some kind of ramifications but see i work for myself and i work for no one so now i have an opportunity to be a voice and give a voice and lend a voice and be vocal and, and and advocate for things that are just not right in our community it also gives me um it gives me a lot more 
the ability to be transparent in the things that has take that I that I see and I've taken that you know, that has taken place. I mean, I had a job where I was not even, or before leaving the government, I had a job where I was not even able to like certain things if politicals, you know, posted different things and all of that stuff. Well, I'm not bound by those those restrictions anymore, and so I, I knew that this is my time to really start being a voice and advocating for what needs to change for the black community mostly for black women we we need to build our community so that's when that's why i wrote the book black girl activist and i wrote the book i am not a stereotype i am her because i feel like we have to start making shifts in our community that's going to build us up instead of separate us so how was the, the process of actually uh, writing your first book and what, what made you feel like, man, this I achieved this. I could just keep on going. When I first decided to write my book, I don't think I chose. <laughs> People okay. chose for me. Okay. People chose for me. And it, I used to blog a lot about my experiences of, you know, growing up or just perspectives or just different things that I dealt with and things that I wish I would have known. But I think when you live in a toxic space and you are not really, uh, I guess you can say, when you're trying to appease others to where you don't protect your own self, I was having conversations about that because that was my past experience. So whenever I was doing public speaking, And I was talking about mental wellness and from a place of being unapologetic and transparent and just living in your truth and loving living in your truth because you know who you are. So many people would come up to me afterwards and say, do you have a book? I would love to buy your book. And I'm thinking, no, I don't have a book, but I'm I'm writing one. And so I wrote a book. And it took a lot for me to be able to let my life out there like that and share my perspectives on things like that. But it was received very well. And so it made me feel good. And from my book, from one book, I was uh, recently not even, you know, five months ago. (laughs) I I, want to say maybe four or five months ago, I was in a clubhouse room having these conversations and somebody said, you should write a book. So I did. I wrote a book in less than 90 days Wow! and it became a, yeah. And it became an Amazon bestseller, um, within 24 hours. Oh man. I gotta drop a bomb on that one. Oh. <laughs> bestseller. Congratulations on that. Thank you. But it's just about get people see in you things that you don't even see in you, let alone that you, feel like you're qual- you're qualified to provide but okay. if you listen to people when they are pouring in you they're pouring in you your own greatness sometimes right and so i'm grateful that i listened to that because those two books birthed my kid series i felt i woke up one day and i was working on something else and this happened and I was like, wow. And I literally did my kid's book within like a month or two. And I got four, two manuscripts written up. I got them both illustrated. Now one just released June 3rd. The next set is already complete, but it releases September 3rd. 
So I've been busy and, and it's a 10 title, 20 book series that all came to me that manifested from the other two books that I wrote, because you can talk to adults, but how do you pour into children? And I'm big, I'm really big on childhood literacy. Right. So I felt like, let me contribute and be a part of the solution instead of talking about the problem. Absolutely. I mean, we need to start with the children. Yes. Because they, they are the future. So we exactly. got to start with them first. And you got to feed them in the present in order for them to be well off in, in the future. Absolutely. Um, so th there's, there's one thing in our community that uh that is a, a a major issue and that's colorism um how, how did colorism impact your life colorism still somewhat impacts my life i and for several things and i've traveled all over this world in many different places and i have encountered colorism while i was uh, in johannesburg i have in, in yeah it happens here in the u.s you know, but you have a choice to subscribe to it or you have a choice to be to have conversations about it. I choose to have conversations about it. Right. So I don't just allow it to fester and happen. And so I ask questions and sometimes it you know, people get offended and say that that's not what they meant. But colorism is, you know, on so many different levels, not just about, you know, just skin color. It's about you know, challenging, you know, the status quo of what being a specific color means mm. from your hair to your face, you know, your, your actual color to how you were born. It, it falls into classism. I mean, it, it's so many different things that fall in line with colorism that we need to you can do a shift in our culture around to get out of. Right. Um, how important is it to you to change the narrative for black women in a, in a workplace or just in general? I want to change it in general. <laughs> you know what? Because oh, we are the some of the most intelligent and smartest and, oh my gosh, beautiful creatures on this earth and yet we are the most undervalued the less liberated we and we don't really look out for each other because we're so worried about trying to climb out of this box instead of protecting what's in this box mm. and so that's why i'm such an advocate and a voice to have those conversations and be that quote-unquote black girl activist so that way i can start these conversations and, and, and just as much, I've had conversations with white women who are white people who, if I'm having, if I'm hosting a room or I'm having conversations about things, they'll ask, you know, or is it okay if I come in? I don't feel like it's for me. And I let them know, oh, it's for you too. Mm. Because in order for anyone to advocate on our behalf, you have to understand our perspective. You have to understand what we are going through. You have to know what how we see it from our view. Even if our view is not correct from their view, they need to be able to ask questions and we need to be able to answer them. And I know there's that whole conversation that people always say, 
Uh, we are all too, we're all too grown and we're too far into things to be telling white people what, you know, what they, what's right and wrong. The reality is that we need to understand is not everyone on this earth is exposed to the same thing. There are still people who live in communities that never see black people. So they can't relate. They don't understand. And it's our responsibility. If we want those that stuff to change when they come out of those communities, we need to educate them just like we want to educate our children. Absolutely. I agree with you. And and it all starts with a conversation. And it does. And the most important thing of of, um, starting this conversation and the most important thing, you, you really have to listen. Like you, you really have to uh, take a step back of what you actually experience, because another group of people is experiencing a, a, a different thing than you are. So you really have to listen to the conversation. Don't just debunk it. Like, oh, I don't think, I don't think, I think you're taking it the wrong way. No, you. I'm, I'm actually explaining to you my experiences, and the the question is, uh, people who are on the, are on the other aisle. Listen first and try to understand what the other group is actually coming from. And the most important thing, how how could we come to a, a certain solution to fix this issue that's been inbred in this country since day one? That's a hard question. <laughs> I don't know if I I don't know if I have a viable answer for that <laughs> because there's not there's not enough time. I don't feel like I will see it in my lifetime. That's how far away we are from it. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that we would get somewhat there because I, here's a good example. We now have a, you know, a brown vice president woman. And if you notice how they treated her all throughout, you know, her every time, any facial, you know, movement or the way that she blinked or raise an eyebrow everything has that attention no matter how hey 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 what's up social nation it's your boy jeff the owner and host of social conversations and i'm here to tell you about our new sponsor for season three holistic remedy Holistic Remedies is a black-owned CBD company that creates natural products to make sure you feel good. Their catalog includes 150 milligrams CBD healing balm, 25 milligrams CBD honey and engaged sticks, and hemp seed body butters in six extraordinary scents. Each product is handmade with love to relieve eczema, pain, um, arthritis, lupus, general soreness, and many more. Holistic Remedies is giving everybody in Social Nation 10% off. That's right. 10% off on all their products. All you got to do is type in the promo code at the checkout. And the promo code is HR Meat Saucy. Again, HR Meat Saucy. Go and support uh, Holistic Remedies. It's a black-owned company. And also, keep supporting Saucy Conversations. We appreciate all the love and support. It's a love. smart that Michelle Obama shows how she is there's always going to be someone that's going to try to change that narrative of how she looks so I am a firm believer that black women are so 
have come off to be so strong for so long that it's intimidating to people mm. and they don't want that. You know, we, we, you can give us, but lighter fluid and, and toilet paper, and we're going to, we're going to make a good fire. To cook <laughs> off of. You give us the bare minimum. We we're resourceful. Right. We, and we, and we bounce back even through pain. But we are, we need to, to normalize checking on even the strong women because we are, we have a right to be weak. All of just walking around with all of this armor gets exhausting and it gets heavy. And we need to start being allowed to start shedding and living like everyone else. White men have been angry for years, yet a black woman is assertive and now she's angry. It's just not fair. So we need to, we need, as a community of black women, we need to be responsible of how people see us and how people treat us. We need to be vocal. We need to speak up because that's what we're going to show our, the generation of young black girls behind us. We're going to show them how to do it assertively and remove a lot of these stigmas that's out there about black women. So, in your opinion, what is the the black man's role? Is this to show support or also to be um, trying to knock down doors? Oh, you almost made me cuss. (laughs) 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 You know what? I'm going to say this. Curse if you want to. No, I'm going to. I know. I'm just saying, (laughs) but I'm I'm going to behave a little bit. I mean, let me say. You know what? I would like black men to stop doing. Being a being a part of why these stereotypes are out there anyway, because they're a part of the problem. Mm. Some of them are a part of the problem. And the one the the most endearing thing I have ever heard come from a black man that that uh, we was on a call one time. Well, we was in Clubhouse and he apologized to every woman in there for all the way black men have treated black women and what they say. You have black men that won't date someone in there in you know another black woman because oh she's you know she's bitter or she's angry or any of these stereotypical things. What goes on inside of our community is what resonates outside of our community. So if a black man is saying so many negative things about a black woman and this and he's talking to his friend and then he's saying the same thing and he's saying the same thing, what do you think is going to come? out of our community for other people outside of our community to, to see or think or feel. Right. right so we need to have them, you know, be more protective about how they treat us, what they say, be more encouraging, be more vocal. When other people try to say something negative, give more compliments, realize that black women are, are some hands down, some very intelligent women absolutely not every not every woman is out here twerking so you can't treat every woman the same <laughs> absolutely you're right you're right i, I totally agree with you black men uh, needs to start leading and start protecting our women yes because y- y'all belongs to us y- we must protect y'all definitely 100 <laughs> percent. right so i want to ask you about um how important is self-expression and self-acceptance Highly, highly, but you have to be able to deal with you, you know, and understand you as a human being for you to accept all parts of you. I think there's a certain level of autonomy that comes, uh, autonomy and freedom 
when you can just naturally 100% just be yourself mm -hmm. and not do stuff because you want to appease somebody. I'm not saying you don't you won't compromise or you don't compromise, but when things don't feel right to you, be able to just say that's not what I want to do. This is not something I'm not going to go along just to get along. Right. That's that's not that's not healthy. So when you find that autonomy in yourself and that authentic and that unapologetic you, you can be self-expressive. And I think that's important. I'm not trying to be like anyone else. Right. I love being me. And as long as I can embrace that, when I am ready to change, I am going to make those changes for me. I think it's heavily important for people to be able to live in their truth. And deal with themselves. And I also say deal with themselves and stay out of people's backyards when their yard is messy. <laughs> That's a lot of times people don't want to deal with themselves. <laughs> That's true. That's true. The doctor said it. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I understand that you, you have a, a podcast uh, yes. called uh, the Happy Hour Podcast. Uh, it's Herspiration Happy Hour. Yes, Herspiration Happy Hour. Sorry about that. Yes. So no, uh, it's okay. Um, so so tell us, uh, tell the audience all about uh your podcast and um also where we can find it as well. Okay, so my my podcast is Herspiration Happy Hour. We're now in season four. What I love about it the most is when even when I created it, it was like 2017. I had a partner at the time and. I just wanted to create a platform because I realized even then, back in 2017, that there are so many dynamic women who are hidden gems that are inspiring the culture and doing some major things. And they're just, and people aren't seeing them and they need to be seen. So, you know, unless you're a celebrity or anything else, you're, you're kind of in the background and you should get your flowers. You should get your flowers now. You should be able to have your voice somewhere. So Perspiration Happy Hour was created to be a cocktails and conversation, you know, podcast, just to have some fun, let your hair down, network, but share share stories amongst women. Right. And so season three, I brought in, I made a lot of different changes to it, and I hired two new co-hosts, and it's been such a dynamic uh, podcast, and we people are asking now to be on the show and it's such a great reward and we do it live now so what you see is what you get <laughs> unfiltered but i love that and so we've had some dynamic guests on and i learned so much but the goal is to enrich our community no matter what color or race or anything else our guests are we've had men we've had women we've had black we've had white we've had pakistan we've had asian it does that's it's no matter what your story matters and that's what we want people to connect to is how you're empowering and what you can do to empower the communities that we live in oh man i give you a round of applause for that mm -hmm, but, <laughs> but yeah but you can find us on every platform and then of course on youtube now we have the visuals at, at herspiration happy hour h-e-r spiration almost like inspiration but it's just herspiration we're on every platform pretty much now. There's not any place that you can't see us or hear us at this point. And we're live every, the first and third Wednesday of every month on our Facebook channel, Herspiration Happy Hour. Absolutely. So, Nation, make sure y'all go uh, subscribe to, her, to the Dr. Uh, 
podcast on all streaming platforms. Um, I know you mentioned um, the the book series, uh, which is called The Brown Girl and the Brown Boy book series. Tell us all about that series. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> tell us about it. No, my baby. This yeah. is me and my babies. That's, that's definitely been my babies right now. Right. You know, I it's a ten titled twenty book children series that my goal is to create representation beyond color. I want to culturally provide well, I want to culturally enrich children by providing certain levels of excellence. So, you know, there's books about, you know, being social, there's books about breaking barriers where they can see themselves in careers. There's, you know, I have specialized books that's going to be coming out for children with Down syndrome and disabilities and autism and other social diagnoses. And, and I even have, you know, I, I, my popular, you know, some people come to me and they'll say, Hey, can you do a book on this? So <laughs> that's why it was originally, it wasn't supposed to be this many books in the series. It was going to be a series, but it expanded from about five to 10. So I, mm. I'm going to do a book on, on blended families. So it'll be Brown girl and Brown boy be blended. Right. right. They'll, you know, there'll be one about body positivity and so many other enrichment here again, because representation is not just color. It's not just hair. It's, it's culturally setting a standard of excellence for our children. And that's what one of my quotes that I always say, because I'm, you can't never go wrong when you provide and you show black and brown children themselves, especially in books. So the first title is called, you know, Brown Girl Be Social and Brown Boy Be Social. And that's out right now and available and then i have brown girl break barriers and brown boy break barriers that will be released september 2021 or september 3rd actually 2021 some dynamic children books because i think it's important literacy is so important for our children absolutely and not just literacy but seeing themselves in literature right absolutely mm -hmm. I, have, I have two boys myself so i will be picking up a couple of these books <laughs> for my <two> okay <laughs> um, yes so let's talk about the future uh what is um your, your your plan for the you got any more projects in the works that you, that you could talk about or what is the over like yeah. five-year plan for you <laughs> what's the next five-year plan oh i you know let's so i have a few things that i would like to take place in the next few years what i will say is god's work for me is whatever he planned out because i didn't plan this right. i can say what i would like to see but i'm going to follow his lead as he pushes my spirit to do a lot i am working on and have been working on my book uh, um, that's called wine is good shots are better uh -huh. i have another book that i'm still working on called pedestal philosophy which is a part a spinoff from one of the chapters in my first book and you know there's i'm working on a conference i have a black girl activist anthology that will be releasing later on that towards the end of the summer and i don't know it's whatever god decides he wants to put me i do want to animate my brown girl brown boy series okay. so i hope to be able to do that at some point and for the next two years, though, every quarter in 2022 and 2023, I will be releasing a new Brown Girl and Brown Boy series book set. 
Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> She's working. Yeah, that, that, that. I'm working <laughs> very hard. Yeah, and, and that's our hashtag for this podcast. You know, we, we always work and we always got some, some new project we always working on and releasing. So I just want to give my uh, my flowers to you and all the work you have done. Thank you for your service. Thank you for everything that you, you, you're doing for the community. I, I really uh, I, I appreciate it as a as a as a black man seeing a black woman flourish like this 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 is this is amazing and thank uh, you I, so much I, I wish you um nothing but the best um is, is there anything is there you would like to touch on more uh before we uh, no you know i i have you know some upcoming tours that people have to kind of tune in and you know follow me on instagram or any of my social media or on everything at i am dr p Gurley. i a m d r p g u r l e y so you could stay in the know you can also if you want to know what's going on with the brown girl and brown boy series they have their own instagram and twitter page which is uh brown boy well at brown girl and brown boy series yeah, you stay in the know. There's always something coming up. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to drop a special Christmas book. It just depends. Uh, right. So you never know. I do lots of different giveaways, and I'm just I'm here for it. I'm, I want to, you know, be a part of supporting my community in any way I can. Absolutely, and uh, we will be supporting uh, all your projects. Uh, we we will actually uh, be promoting your projects as well. Um, you are officially associate alumni, so if oh. you're welcome anytime, <laughs> you're welcome anytime to come on the show. You got anything that's um, that's coming out? Uh, just just um, let me know, and um, you can come on the show and talk about it. Um, I just want to give a, a special shout out to my co-host that's going to be here today. Shout out to Dad. Shout out to Max. Shout out to Renice. Shout out to all the the people who support social conversations. Go out, everybody in Social Nation. I need you to go out and support Dr. Gurley right now. Subscribe to our podcast. You know, buy her books. She's no one bestseller for a reason. So she got a lot of knowledge. So I, I need y'all to go and support her. Um, shout out to our sponsors, uh, Click A Vodka, um, Holistic Remedies, support black businesses. Don't forget to use that promo code HRME so you get 10% off at checkout. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on all streaming platforms. Anywhere you can find your podcast, we on there. Um, head to Teespring and and check out our official merchandise. And uh, we appreciate everybody who brought a shirt, a T-shirt, I mean a hoodie, a T-shirt, a mask, even something for the dog. We got dog hoodies too. So we, pre- <laughs> <laughs> we, we appreciate, <laughs> we appreciate hey. supporting. That's what it's all about, supporting um each other shout out to all the content creators out there Let, let's stick together and let's work together and um uh, i wish everybody nothing but peace and love uh dr Gurley. i wish you nothing but peace and love and i will be talking to you soon in the near future good luck to you all right thank you so much i really you. appreciate this time god, god bless, bless. bye bye and uh taking us out is the voice Whitney houston with the rest somebody dance I'm in love and lost my senses Spinning through the town Sooner or later the fever ends
Damn time.